On the latest episode of Beyond the Set New York, we are joined by longtime film producer and executive vice president of the New York Production Alliance, Michael Jackman. Michael sat down with us to discuss his career, some of the projects his company, Film Nation, is currently working on, and finally, what he thinks the industry will look like as we come out on the other side of the COVID-19 crisis. Michael was recently featured in a May 6th story in Fortune magazine where he discussed that very topic. You can find the link to the article in the episode's description as well as on the New York Production Alliance's social media. And now, here's Mike Jackman. And we are joined by Michael Jackman. Mike, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks very much. Good to be here, wherever here is. Yeah, exactly. Where wherever uh, wherever everyone is, uh, probably mostly at home. Uh, can you can you tell us a little bit about your career and experience working in film and TV um, in New York? Sure. Um, I mean, I started uh, I started as an actor. So that that's acting. <laughs> um, and uh, while I was trying to be an actor, which um, in New York. Um, I got a job as a production assistant, uh, you know, getting coffee for anybody who wanted coffee, um, and, uh, spent my first bunch of years in New York working on films as a production assistant off set, set PA, uh, while I was still trying to get cast and eventually bothered one of the directors enough, uh, Alan Parker was a director on a film called Mississippi Burning. I was working on it, doing all the antique cars. And I bothered him enough uh, that he finally put me in the movie and uh, I got my Screen Actors Guild uh, membership and card and I was in the final cut of the movie. And then I was decided like, yeah, I don't know about this whole acting thing. Uh, by that time, it had been three years in and I liked filmmaking a lot and thought that producing would be uh, exciting and get, get a chance to kind of use all of my skill sets and uh, started to kind of push in that direction and the first thing I wanted to do because I'm the kind of guy who likes to take things apart and then put them back together as I wanted to understand how it all worked and I thought I should follow the money and I was able to get a job as an assistant accountant uh, for uh, the guys who did all of Woody Allen's films because um, I just wanted to know where the money went and where you know how you could get in trouble as a producer financially <laughs> and uh, I thought I would do that for about six months and then three and a half years later and eight films later um, we did a lot of movies with Woody in that time, as well as others. Um, you know, I started transitioning into producing and post-production um, supervision. Uh, the, so I'm, for Woody, I did uh, Alice, New York Stories, Crimes and Misdemeanors, Husbands and Wives, and Shadows and Fog. And then in between those, uh, regarding Henry, A League of Their Own, and Quick Change. Um, you know, all New York based, almost all of them, New York-based films, New York-based crew, got to know, you know, everybody, Woody's, you know, crews work on everything. Um, and uh, then started uh, working uh, towards being an independent producer uh, and a post-production supervisor. I learned a little bit about post through post-accounting and then transitioned to that and then uh, produced my first film in uh, 1994 in New York. So then after the Woody Allen movies, you, what was, what was going on in your career? So I decided I wanted to start producing on my own. I was looking to raise some money. This is sort of a classic New York story, if you will. I had reconnected, uh, you know, a few months earlier with a producer of, uh, of Mississippi Burning just uh, by doing post-production on one of his films called um, uh, Naked in New York. 
Uh, and so we had reconnected and I'm, I'm on the Upper East Side, I think, I think it was Upper East Side, with my nose pressed against the, the glass window of a bar watching uh, Stanley Cup uh, in 94. I think it was 90, yeah, 94. Rangers. And yeah, exactly, it was Rangers. And uh, the game ends, or I think the period ends, and I leave the bar and I'm crossing the street and across the street on the other side is this guy, this producer, Fred Zolo. And Fred goes, Mike Jackman, how are you? I'm like, which is how Fred greeted everybody all the time. I'm like, I'm, I'm good. I'm good, Fred. And uh, Fred's like, hey, you know, I was thinking about you. You want to produce a movie for me? And I'm like, yes. He's like, hey, call me tomorrow. Um, and that's how I got my, my first film to produce. Uh, interesting fact, Fred Zolo's assistant at the time was Eli Roth. Eli Roth you know, a wonderful uh, genre filmmaker, but an excellent filmmaker and um, one of the funniest people I've ever met. I literally saved every email he ever sent me because they're just hysterical. But anyway, uh, so Fred hired me to then to produce this film. Other man, starred Stanley Tucci, and that was in 94. And then, you know, if we fast forward to today. You know, over the course of the years, uh, I, I, I tended to co-supervise a lot of larger films and produce a lot of independent films and then... Uh, got involved in various level angles of producing um, movies along the way. Uh, different, you know, producer, co-producer, executive producer on the DGA UPM, um, and then was recruited to Deluxe the Lab uh, and built uh, their lab. Uh, actually, got to build a, a, a 35 millimeter lab, but also a 45,000 square foot state of the art facility in New York on Hudson Street, and did that for four years. And then was uh, went to Film Nation Entertainment, where I am still now. I'm in my eighth year at Film Nation, where I oversee post-production, uh, worldwide delivery. And I also uh, I produce films for uh, Film Nation, sometimes as executive producer, co-producer. Um, uh, I'm part of the senior management team there. And within that, I also have a number of technology companies that I am uh, you know, part owner in that have just sort of started up organically over the years that sort of support you know, a lot of the kinds of things that we do at Filmation, like international language uh, versioning, for example. So uh, Filmation um, got its start as a sales agent, uh, one of the, its best sales agent in the business. And uh, Glenn Bosner, who runs Filmation, is really the best at what he does. Um, and, you know, I think one of the first films that Filmation did was The King's Speech. So it was a good start uh, as an international sales agent. So, you know, started a company that handles creating the international language versions for that, for example. Um, so that's what I do now. Um, and, uh, and then when I was at Deluxe, I actually got involved with the New York Production Alliance. Um, so that's going on probably 11 years ago that I was first, uh, first got involved and I became the, the co-chair uh, nine years ago. And I did that for eight years. And then the, this year I've, uh, I've uh, stepped back a little bit because I got very, very busy and uh, became uh, just became an EVP um, as opposed to the co-chair. And I am spending probably 10 times more time this year than I have in any year that I was a co-chair. But what's going on with NIPA today? You know, we, we've, we're recording this at the end of April uh, in 2020. And, you know, the, the city and state have been basically locked down by a, a global pandemic. So what is NIPA doing now? So, um, you know, there's a number of things. But first of all, we are uh, helping to organize, uh, or we help to organize and fund um, the creation of uh, personal protection of uh, equipment. Um, the uh, our, our prop makers in the entertainment industry jumped 
forward and said, we can do stuff here, we can help. And they started making um, uh, masks for um, our, our medical um, community to use, our first responders. Um, uh, it's something that NIPA helped get the word out and helped uh, organize and helped find uh, means of distribution. Um, and, you know, really looking at anything else where we can do it, we look, we got, we got wardrobe people, we've got props people, we've got art department, I mean, who can help, you know, do what? Um, we're also looking at what are going to be best practices for New York when we do want to come back. How do we keep our crews and our cast safe when we do come back? Our, our chairman, Flo Mitchell Brown, uh, along with the executive committee, myself and others are putting together uh, calls uh, and discussions with the mayor's office um, and other stakeholders, guilds, unions, et cetera, to talk about what is going to be important when we when we get back to work. And so there's there's a there's an industry wide discussion happening about this. But we're also taking the best practices that we're hearing from the industry and we want to apply it to New York specifically because it's a different environment. I don't think people realize how many shows that were going to come back in the summer and fall have been seriously impacted. The timing of everything. I mean, look, we film for as film nation, you know, we were prepping a movie in Montreal to shoot. Um, we were four weeks into prep. We had to shut it down. Uh, we are hoping to go back as soon as we can possibly go back, but we don't know when we're, we've planted a flag flag in, in July. We're hoping that it's mid July. We can start prepping, but we, we don't know. Right. Um, uh, especially and, for a place like Montreal, where you're not just dealing with the American government and, and New York yeah. state, you're dealing with a, an international government. So that's, yeah, that's a whole no other time. layer. Absolutely. And you know, and in New York, I mean, there's so many TV series that are shoot, that shoot here all the time, but they, they can't start up again. They really can't start up anywhere. Uh, I suppose right now they can start up in Georgia. And your actors don't get to act with masks, right? They are exposed, so they have a different level. Like, everyone else can wear a mask. Everyone else can wear gloves. You know, you can wear as much protective equipment as you want as a crew member. Actors can't. So, you know, we have to be uh, respectful, kind, and compassionate to them and their process. And they also have to be creative, so they have to feel safe to give a performance. Um, so there's a huge number of shows that literally are not shooting, like all of them in New York. Uh, and that's, what, 30 or 40 TV series that are not shooting right now, which means that when they were supposed to be done, they're not done. I mean, now, what, uh, about, what about projects that were, um, you know, that wrapped before everything shut down and they're in post-production? It, do people have the ability to do that from home? Yeah, actually, uh, we have one filmation that we uh, we literally raced the clock to finish shooting. We were v getting very concerned, and we wound up uh, on one of our projects. We we cut some scenes. We shot longer by a day by absorbing it into other days. We basically cut two days off the schedule, and we were able to wrap one of our um, films that is now in post. Uh, and there are a lot of remote workflows. So my editor has assistant at her house. My assistant editor has assistant at his house. He supports her that way. Our director, um, there's a variety of remote solutions so that they can collaborate. And so, yeah, from a post-production, certainly from an editorial perspective, um, you can you can do a lot of work. Um, and in a series, you know, for series as well, we could we could show that show to if we're this is a movie, but you can show um, 
you can broadcast, you know, to a small group uh, right. and have a screening, you know, internal screening for producers and writers. Um, and then depending upon, um, you know, what systems you're using, we can, we can finish the movie or the show. You know, it takes a little more sending things back and forth, but, you know, spe- series, television, streaming, all that is a little easier because I can put it on my TV. And if that's how I'm watching at home, I can at least judge what my home sure. TV sounds like. And I know what other things sound like. And uh, so it's doable. Post-production is, is much more doable because it doesn't require a hundred people gathered together on a set. Um, the collaboration can be remote. Heavy VFX can get done, but the, you know, the big features with visual effects get a little more complicated because it's harder to see those things at high resolution. And then anything you want to screen for an audience, you want to do a audience preview where you have 300 audience members watching the movie and then reacting to it. That's not happening. Right. That's out. So, and I I feel like you and I could have a a conversation just on the future of, uh, of the entertainment industry, but I do want to wrap up with this, you know, New York state, we we hear from the governor, uh, you know, that, this has been a, a, a very trying time from a budget perspective. You know, it's sure. really putting we really have talked about the, the New York State film tax credit a lot on this podcast. And I just sure. kind of want to get your perspective. Yeah, I mean, look, our tax credit in New York generates positive revenue for the state. So it's a no brainer right. to continue it. That's all it, it, it brings. It creates jobs. It brings revenue in, and the amount that is paid back is less than the amount that is generated from uh, payroll taxes and sales tax and um, and all of the downstream revenue that is generated. So, you know, 30 films, thousands of jobs, 30 series, thousands of jobs, feature films that come here, uh, hundreds of millions of dollars spent in our uh, economy. That's what we want. We want to be able to come back strong and and work and put people back to work and have people generate, you know, earning their own revenue, their own income, uh, paying taxes on it, and and helping to kind of uh, offset some of the expenses. And this is a positive uh, program, one of the few pos- you know tax credit based programs that actually generate a positive revenue. So, you know, uh, I. I don't think there's uh, going to be a big target on its back. I think it's, it's people understand its value. Um, and certainly our industry needs that. Uh, but it also benefits the state that that revenue that comes in goes to the entire state, not just to like New York city. And uh, the, the tax credit is higher uh, as you get up upstate in Western New York. Um, they're thriving or they were thriving prior to our little pandemic. Um, and, you know, we really hope it'll continue and go back to that. And in some ways, I kind of feel like, you know, there's going to be maybe a positive, uh, a more, even more positive look at upstate and Western New York because it's a little more isolated. Uh, and it's really important. It's important for the whole state. You know, we want to bring jobs everywhere, not just, not just to the city. And as we get busier, it, there's more uh, motivation to move uh, further out from New York. And I think maybe the pandemic adds a little bit more motivation to that. Yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's a really good point that, you know, especially with today's technology, you can, you know, if you're looking for a different scene, you can get a different scene. But if you need space to, you know, even be able to operate, you know, maybe you can get creative in, in other ways. Yeah, no, definitely. So um, I'm look, I'm hopeful. We're all hopeful that we can come back and come back strong. We just have to be 
smart about it. We have to protect our, our cast and our crew. Well, Mike, uh, I really want to thank you for coming on. And, um, you know, I think this is a conversation that we're definitely going to be continuing, especially into the yeah. summer and fall. And, uh, and, and I appreciate your time. Absolutely. Thanks a lot. I appreciate yeah, we'll it. Yeah, we'll talk to you soon. All right, Brian. Thanks.